Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So if you brought your Bible today, we're going to be talking about some scripture because we're getting into 2 Thessalonians. We started this sermon series back a couple months ago, and I said both 1 and 2 Thessalonians, we're going to call it the deliverance, deliverance. And the reason we call it deliverance is from uh, chapter 1, verse 10, where it says we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the only Jesus, um, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So this idea of deliverance we see both in 1st as well as 2nd Thessalonians. So now, as we finished up 1st Thessalonians, we're going to get into 2nd Thessalonians. You're going to find that it's, it's very similar. Paul actually, according to historians, Paul actually wrote this letter not too long after the first letter. And the reason was is because the first letter was to bring clarity. There were some questions, and Paul wanted to encourage the Thessalonians. He wanted to encourage them and give them some clarity, particularly about this idea of the coming of the Lord. Some of them had thought that because some had died, they had missed it. And we talked about that last uh, a few weeks ago. Well, Paul wanted to bring clarity, but didn't you know, don't you know that sometimes, even when you try to bring clarity, uh, it, it brings confusion? And that's what had happened. These, these Thessalonians had gotten confused, and, and they, they didn't know exactly uh, what, what, about this coming of the Lord. They were confused, and they asked him some questions. So as a result, uh, Paul, had to, uh, uh, Paul had to send this, this second letter, the second letter to them. Um, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll get to this next week, it says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to not be easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or by word of mouth, asserting that the day of the Lord had already come. And, and this is exactly why every time that I open the scriptures up, and we talk about prophecy, we talk about the day of the Lord or the coming of the Lord, I want to take a deep breath, kind of relax, and let you know that this is something that the Lord, that Paul tells we are to encourage each other with. It's something that is good for the future. Now, we know that all through the Old Testament, including the New Testament, there's lots of warnings about the coming of the Lord. It's a day of dread. It's a day of uh, tribulation. We know, we, we know about the tribulation at the end times. It's, the, it's, it's like the, the plagues of Moses. Uh, when there's locusts and lice and all kinds of different things and the blood turn, the white water turns to blood. Well, many of those things will be repeated in the time of tribulation, but Paul continues to tell us, take heart, the Lord will deliver you from that. Uh, take heart, this is the, called the blessed hope, the blessed hope. In fact, in, um, in, in Paul's letter to, God bless you, in Paul's letter to Titus, this is what he says. It's 2 Titus, I'm sorry, Titus chapter 2, verse 13. There's only one Titus. He's, Paul writes, he says, as we wait for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul calls this time, this time period of sometime in the future, is called the blessed hope. By the way, if, any, if you've ever uh, been challenged by somebody saying, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus is God? This is a great scripture verse to go to. 2 Timothy says, as we wait for the blessed hope, glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus 
Christ. So it's a great scripture verse to go to. It's a great uh, uh, scripture verse to go and give us confidence as well. So today, our topic for today, <laughs> takes me a while sometimes. Today's message is God's final judgment and glory. So welcome to Celebrate Seniors. We always talk about good things, happy thoughts. We wear Hawaiian shirts and we never talk about anything difficult, okay? Today's topic is God's final judgment and glory. And we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians, uh, beginning in, in, in chapter uh, 1. By the way, uh, all through 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see that Paul, even though he repeats some of the same message, he's going to get a little tougher with the people. He's going to, he told them once and they didn't quite get it, so he's going to tell them the second time with a little tough love. And we all understand that, right? I mean, I, in our house, for example, in our house, putting your feet up on the furniture, on the tables, that's a no-no. And Carol, even with our grandchildren, the very first time they did that and they put their feet up there, you know, Carol will say, now, honey, uh, your shoes actually belong on the floor. They don't belong on grandma's table, mama's table. That, that's not where they belong, right? That's how she tells it the first time. The second time, it's get your feet off the table, right? So Paul's going to do the same thing. There's going to be time as we go through this in the next few weeks, you're going to see Paul is a little bit more, a little tough. It's called tough love. He's going to tell them exactly what he needs to tell them. So let's get started with a, a few uh, verses, the first few verses, verses 1 through 3. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brothers, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards one another so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Now, what's interesting is that 1 Thessalonians, if you flip over, starts off pretty much the same way. Paul has a, a very standard greeting. If you notice, back then, in those old days, uh, they would start off by saying who was writing the letter. And it's Paul, Silvanus, which is Silas, and Timothy. The three of them started and founded the church in Thessalonica. So they're writing back to this same church. So they identify who they are. And then Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is not only the same thing that he said in 1 Thessalonians, but is actually repeated 15 times in the New Testament. Not only by Paul, but also by Peter and by John. It was a common greeting in the early church to offer them grace, which is the unmerited favor of God, as well as peace. Now, the peace here, uh, the he if, it was, if, it was, if this was in Hebrew, it would probably be using the word shalom, which is the way the Jewish people talked about the peace, or this peace, the peace that passes understanding. But the Christian peace is different, because peace is not so much the absence of turmoil or the absence of tribulation, but it's the presence of the Lord. The, peace, the grace and peace that the church always wished each other was the presence of the Lord. The Lord be with you. That's why it said, the Lord be with you and also with you. It's one of the early greetings in the church. I wish we used it more today. I, I really do. This whole idea of grace and peace. So again, Paul is including Silvanus and Timothy because they were part of it. And he's, the letter says that Paul thanks God for them and their faith grows exceedingly. And remember, this is during persecution during their own trials. If you remember the story of Paul in 1 Thessalonians, as well as what we read about in Acts, Paul was only there for three weeks. But then an angry crowd chased him out of the town. 
They chased him out of the town. And there were two different elements of this crowd. One was the Jewish men, the Jewish men that, were, that didn't like Jesus the Christ. They, didn't, they knew that Jesus had been crucified. They thought was the, that was the end of that sect, that, that rebellion, that, that prophet that came through. But it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. And they were upset. And they didn't want to hear Paul's message about that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and that he's still available to them for the forgiveness of sins. The other group that opposed Paul, as well as opposing these new Christians, were the pagans that were there in Thessalonia, because they understood that it was Caesar that was Lord, not Jesus was Lord, and they had their own gods. They didn't need another god. In fact, what these Christians said is there's only one true god, and they didn't think too much of that. So these Christians at Thessalonia were under heavy persecution. You know, in the church, we've always, we've always suffered persecution. Some people say that there's more persecution going on today than ever before. But even in the Middle Ages and before that, when it was basically all, everybody called themselves a Christian, we found other ways to persecute Christians within our own groups. You know, it goes back to Peter Waldo and the Waldesians back in the seventh century, but then it was the Inquisition uh, that came against the Jews, but also the Protestants, and then the Calvinists were, were persecuting the Anabaptists, and then the Irish Catholics were persecuted by the English reformers. So all through history, there's always been some kind of tribulation and some kind of persecution. But Paul is telling us something very interesting. He's telling us that we are to take heart, and that in the midst of these persecutions, God is there. And God is getting glory from it. And we have to be able to endure the trials and the tribulations of our faith. You know, today, because of the, um, the horrible debacle in, in Afghanistan, uh, there are many Christians that are at risk in, in Afghanistan. Uh, some estimates are there's somewhere between 10 and 25,000 Christians that are in Afghanistan. It's still a small number compared to the 15 or 20 million people there. But the, all of these Christians uh, came to faith relatively recently, and all of them have, most of all of them have an is Islamic background. And under Sharia law, anybody that converts from Islam to Christianity or any other religion is already guilty of guilty and, and can be found uh, found guilty and would be and would be tried for uh, tried for treason um, and, and conversion. And the sentence is always death under Sharia law. Some Christians on the ground in Afghanistan have expressed that with the takeover of Kabul, uh, they expect to be killed mafia style. Some reports say that the Taliban is already conducting targeted killings of Christians and other minorities found using trans public transportation, as well as executing anyone found with Bible software on their, on their PC, on their, on their uh, cell phone. You see, the cell phone is wonderful because it's a great way for them to communicate with each other. And I've also got about 85 different versions of the Bible on here. But people that are, have, are caught with a, with a Bible version on their cell phone are executed in Afghanistan. So this persecution is continuing today. So maybe we, we understand a little bit about what these Thessalonians were going through. Let's continue. Verse 5. Paul says, which is manifest evidence. Remember, he's talking about the persecution and their endurance. He says, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. Since it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, this entire chapter, first chapter in, first, in 2 Thessalonians, in the Greek is like one big run-on sentence. You know, I was taught that a sentence is supposed to have a particular thought. 
okay? And when the thought ends, you put a period, and that's the end of the sentence. Well, that, first of all, those periods are not in the Greek, and especially not with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had so much to say, and he says it all in 1 Thessalonians, and it's kind of one big run-on sentence. So we have to understand exactly where the, where the thought is here and what Paul is basically talking. And what Paul is telling them this is that often when we experience trials and tribulations, even when it's, it's not necessarily for your faith, it's just a really bad day, you feel that when you're going through different trials that God is absent, Right? I mean, that's often happens, is that God has left me because I'm here all alone. In the Psalms, David says that. He says, where are you, O God? Okay, where is God? Because he feel he's facing trials and tribulations. But Paul is saying, no, when you're facing the righteous uh, tribulation, when you're, when you're facing difficulties and you're being persecuted for your faith, God is there. God is going through the fire with you. He understands this is, a, this is a refining fire that you're going through. Now, I've never liked the idea of a refining fire. I, I don't know about you, but going through the fire isn't something I've always wanted to look forward to. At the same time, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love those names, right? We named our hamster, our guinea pig, and our rabbit Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when the kids were little. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if you remember, they went through a fiery furnace. And it says that they came out not even smelling like smoke. And the reason was is that God was with them. There was a fourth person in the fire with them. And I think that's what Paul's trying to tell us is that when we go through these difficult times, God is there with us. It, you know, it, when suffering is coupled with, a, with a, a righteous endurance, God's work is being done. Now, Paul also says that God will repay with tribulation all of those who trouble with you. You know, sometimes we feel that God doesn't care, that sometimes the score is uneven, that, that it's, you know, the bad guys, you know, 17 and the Christians, nothing. And well, that's not true. It's not like a football game. God keeps perfect count. And there is going to be a coming judgment. That's why this whole topic today is called God's final judgment and glory. That's our topic. God's final judgment and glory. God is reserving his wrath. God has righteous indignation for what is going on in the world. He understands that there are sinners out there and God will repay the sinners. Uh, the Bible has always been very, very clear of that. Paul reminds us that a time of persecution would not last forever. A day of rest is promised for every believer. Now, Paul says that this, this vengeance of the Lord, this time of, of, of trial, the God's final judgment will come when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, before we go on to the next, uh, the next few verses, let me give you a reference of what Paul is talking about. Because remember, Paul is trying to bring clarity to this whole idea of the day of the Lord. There was confusion in the mount of the Thessalonians. And I want to make sure that there's no confusion among us even though there will be, but I want to make sure that we try as hard as we possibly can to understand what Paul is talking about. In Revelation chapter 19, which is the end of Revelation, the Apostle John says this. He says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is talking about Jesus his eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
Then it continues. And, Paul, and John says, Then the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now this is chapter 19 in the book of Revelations at the end of a series of trials. Um, seven seals followed by seven trumpets followed by seven vials. It's a time of tribulation, a very, very difficult time, um, especially for the people of Israel. Almost all of the events in the book of, uh, in, in the tribulation are focused on what is happening to Israel. This is a time of what's called Jacob's trial. Now, if you notice, it says that the armies of heaven, armies of heaven are accompanying Jesus, and they're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now, this description was used specifically of the church, of the bride of Christ, in what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it happens in heaven just prior to this event. So those armies in heaven that return are, includes all of the believers and were dressed in white robes. Now, there's a lot of allegory. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of pictures going on here. Um, I've always said that the book of Revelation is like a picture of things that are going to happen. But at the same time, you can't take every picture, picture as literal. But the events will happen. Jesus will return. Jesus will return, and that's the time of God's final judgment and glory. That's what Paul is talking about. And during that time, we're going to find that the saints, the saints in heaven, will return back to the earth. Let's continue. Verse 8. Paul is still talking about the righteous judgment of God. He says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not go God. When we just read in the book of Revelation, it was talking about fire. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not go God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Now, this is a continuation of what Paul was saying before. This is all the same scene that happens. It's the culmination. These people are under persecution, and they're wondering, where is God? And Paul is saying, God is there with you, and there will be a time not only of rest for you, but also there'll be a time of payback, a time when God's righteous judgment causes the culmination of the end of times. One interesting comment on this flaming fire. Well, I already talked about this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo. I still love those names. Um, I need to get a hamster or something like that because there's other Bible names I could use. Now, I do want to share this with you. The Bible is always consistent with regards to God's final judgment. It's a time of vengeance, but not vindictive, a firm administration of the unwavering justice of God. Those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel, is what Paul says, of our Lord Jesus Christ, shall be punished with everlasting destruction. You know, there are some that say there is no heaven, there is no hell. There is no hell. There's no punishment. A loving God would never send anybody to destruction or everlasting hell. The punishment of the wicked, however, from the Bible says, is everlasting. The blessings of heaven, on the other hand, are eternal. The penalty of hell is also eternal. Again, the Bible is very clear. Saints are glorified and the Lord is glorified because of their testimony. That's a very interesting word. What does that mean? 
It means that when we get to, when we get to the final judgment, um, we're going to stand before the Lord, and all of us are sinners. There's no difference between sin. Sin is all sin. The difference between those that are judged and those that are glorified is their testimony. The testimony refers to their acceptance of the blood of Jesus that pays the penalty for their, for their sins. So the idea is this, is that we're all sinners. That's what the Bible says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The difference is their testimony, the testimony on their heart and on their lips that Jesus is Lord. Let's finish up. Verses 11 and 12. Paul says, Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, since the Thessalonian Christians were in the midst of persecution, since they were being uh, tried daily by the people around them that were harassing them, they needed prayer. You know, this is the thing. We also need prayer. Prayer not only during tribulation, but prior to tribulation. We have had amazing religious freedom here in this country. Ability to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. Be able to choose our own church or synagogue or whatever we wanted to do. We had that ability and nobody harassed us. At least they shouldn't have harassed us. Um, so we've had, we've had it very mild here. The whole idea of tribulation and trials has been absent for, from the history of the United States. However, that may not always be the case. There may be a time in the future. And I learned not only with tribulation, but also with this, all decisions in life. You have to make a decision before something happens. You have to decide what your measure is. What will you do and what will you not do? Where is your character? What will you stand for or what will you fall for? And you make that decision long before it happens. And the best way to make that decision is in prayer. And if you feel that you are weak and you may stumble and you may fall, that's the time to pray. You pray ahead of time. I remember my wife and I, I think I mentioned before, we had a Christian bookstore. And, uh, and it was interesting because there was a disruption in our store. A, a person came in that was obviously very angry or on drugs or Satan-possessed. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but was causing a, a huge disruption. And a couple of a couple of our of our of our um, uh, of our employees, uh, my wife and I are both there. Um, we're standing in the background, and my wife and I were handling the situation as best as we possibly could. And and they were saying, "Oh, we needed to pray. We needed to pray." And I said, "No, you pray before that happens, okay? Because when that happens, there is no time to pray. You need to be prayed up." And that's what Paul is doing. He's praying for the Thessalonians, and he's encouraging them to pray because sometimes you need to be prayed up. Let me tell you, my friends, don't ever be ashamed to be called a Christian. God has glorified that name, that name Jesus, that name Christ means the anointed one. And don't ever be ashamed to be called a Christian. Um, Jesus is the only son of God and was and was and is the Messiah. The Bible tells us and Paul is telling us that God receives glory when we endure persecution. When the world comes against us because of our faith in the Lord and we are resolute. I firmly believe that we will not be here. Those who have believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will not suffer through the wrath of God. However, 
as I said, there may be a time coming here in America when we will not have the religious liberties that we've come to experience and take for granted for more than 200 years. The Bible says to be resolute, to be watchful, to be prayerful, and to be ready. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get together like this. We thank you, Lord, for Paul. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.